0: Welcome to The Light Pod, brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and well, a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. I'm your host, Sam Corbel, And today, we're doing a podcast on the porch in Rockville, Maryland, at the home of Andrea Hartranft, who owns Hartranft Lighting Design. She founded it in 2013, but has over 34 years of experience in the lighting industry. As a Penn State grad, we might be foes, because I'm a buff, but it's good to be here nonetheless to talk about Lottie. How's it going, Andrea? It's good to see you.
1: Good to see you, too.
0: Thanks for inviting me to your porch in Rockville, Maryland. I've got to admit, I didn't expect the East Coast to be perfect humidity and the perfect temperature with birds singing and get to do my first porch podcast and porch interview. It's really nice to be here, and I'm not going to lie. like. Can I hang out and have dinner too? We got any cocktails we can have too? This place is great.
1: (laughs) You might've picked the right house for dinner and we certainly can accommodate if need be. We'll see where we go.
0: Just tell me who is Andrea and where did you get your start in lighting and lighting design?
1: Well, I'm Andrea Hartranft. Like you said, I'm a Penn State graduate. Started in journalism. Woke up one morning in my freshman year and had architectural engineering in my head and switched in that day. Didn't know what it was.
0: How did you find architectural engineering?
1: I, honest to goodness, woke up with those words in my head. Wow. Somebody must have mentioned it. I don't know. All I knew, I woke up and I went and found the engineering department and switched in that day.
0: It was probably after you beat Michigan in overtime and, you know, <laughs> was just having a bunch of fun that one night. And you said, wait, wait. I heard about architectural engineering last night. No, we totally beat Michigan. Yes. Yes. Yeah,
1: everybody was in a good mood because to let a journalism major who had never taken physics in may not have been their best move, but it worked out really well for me. I found my way to Dr. Craig Bernicker's lighting classes and into his lighting lab and worked with him, helped him continue John Flynn's studies on lighting, lighting psychology. And boy, I just fell in love with everything about lighting, with the impact it had on people, and it definitely was the right thing for me.
0: Earlier today, we talked a little bit about lighting and how lighting is part art and part science. Engineering is arguably a science-based curriculum. So where did the artistic part come in for you?
1: It's funny you put it that way because there's creativity in everything. Obviously, the art part of lighting design is the design part, thinking about the architecture, finding ways to aesthetically elevate the architecture and energize the space to make it as good a lighting environment as it can be. But there's creativity in the technical side as well in the problem solving. I mean, it's a very appealing profession. To be able to use the art side of your brain and also stimulate the science part of your brain to solve problems and figure things out and use math and physics and all the things you've studied in school that people say, oh, I'm never going to use this. But you kind of do, which is exciting.
0: I agree. I mean, architectural engineering definitely lends itself to that form of creativity. And it's interesting because it's arguably one of the biggest feeders for our industry in terms of a def- find curriculum, but people come to lighting from all over the place. Some artistic backgrounds, some engineering backgrounds, some sales backgrounds, some probably actually have a journalism background and they find themselves into lighting for one reason or another. What was your first move into the industry as a professional out of school?
1: Well, I started at a small engineering firm, working in the electrical department, doing electrical design and lighting design, and pretty much continued that all the way through my career until I went to work for Candy Kling at CM Kling and Associates back in 1995. Seems like forever ago now. I had made the decision that really lighting was all I wanted to do and all I really wanted to focus on. And I did not joy, the problem-solving aspects of the electrical side of design. But I knew that I needed more from a creativity in design standpoint. So that was the route that I took.
0: And lighting obviously offers a lot of opportunities to be creative. You hear the sayings, paint with light. You hear people talk about how light can shape a space. I always tend to argue you don't turn the lights on you can't really see anything and luckily we have one of the most beautiful light sources that naturally rises and sets every day that we're experiencing outside today but as we dive into lighting we talk about how it can create these emotions and opportunities one of the most interesting things is there's a whole business that's built around lighting And there's lighting designers, there's people who say they do lighting design, but they don't have lighting design in their title, which is also a very interesting concept. And there's both benefits and downsides to that as well. And then there's manufacturing, and then there's a whole supply chain and everything else. And a lot of these people that run these companies and businesses, they're small. It's a rather niche industry. So you spent almost, I believe it was 18 years. At CM Clean? I did. In 10 years. Boom, in 2013, it was time and something kicked you to go start your own firm. What was it and what set, set you off on that path?
1: I was turning 50. It was kind of a now or never thing. Candy was set to retire. Sadly, she did not live terribly long after that. And the industry really lost a great individual, really generous. With her knowledge and her passion and love for lighting, mm-hmm. uh, I miss her. I had never really been interested in having my own firm. I hadn't really been terribly interested in the business side of things, but when push came to shove, it was the right time. And my son was grown, and I had the support of my husband and my family. And that was really kind of the most important thing. And so I jumped.
0: And off you went. Off you I st- went. You had one person alongside of you that helped you get things going. You had a couple of clients, and you had the opportunity to go out and start to build a business the way you wanted to. And really, that was a product of you controlling your own destiny. But there's a lot that goes into building a business past just maybe creating the opportunity and putting your name on the drawings and the stamp. What did you expect to have to do to start that business? And if you look at how it's gone, was there anything that happened or anything that kind of showed up unexpected that you weren't quite ready for?
1: I had no idea what I would have to do. I'd be really, really honest. I just closed my eyes, took a leap of faith and went. And I had to learn everything. I had to learn how to manage the money in the firm. I had to learn about insurance. I had to learn to work with a bookkeeper. I had to learn that you really do trust your lawyer, which I learned the hard way, but I learned. I had to learn to manage people. And the thing that I didn't expect that took me greatly by surprise and continues to just boggle my mind every day is that I actually could do it, I enjoyed it, and the company grew. That was not an expectation. I didn't go in saying, I'm gonna take over the world, I'm gonna build, I had no real thoughts about I'm going to be a company of nine or 30 or 50. My thoughts were, how am I going to pay the person who works with me every time it's time to pay her? So let me
0: get this straight. I mean, you're 50 years old. You have a lifetime of experience in the lighting industry and you start your own company with a very little knowledge of what that means, because obviously you've been on the design side. You've been on the project management side. You've been doing so many things. You jumped off a cliff, not knowing what was going to come, but you did it anyways. And you've been in business for seven years and you're growing. What do you think has driven that success?
1: Being surrounded by people that are really good at what they do, that support the company, that are personally, and I don't mean financially, but personally invested in the success of the company, having support from family, being humble being kind, being respectful. I mean, those are such simple things, but man, they are about the most important things in business I can think of. Not being a doormat. I know how to say no. I know how to raise my voice when there's an issue and be heard. I think humility and fearlessness are the things that I expect from myself, and I look for in the people that come to my team.
0: It's only natural that you would be fearless starting your own business selling off into the unknown. I mean, you've set your company up in a way that it operates different from most. What led to your company being set up the way it is? And in case anyone's wondering, Andrea's office is everywhere. All her employees work from their homes, but they all very much work together and, as we know, have been very successful.
1: I have people in Boston, New York, DC, Charlotte and Atlanta. The company was built person by person. Each one brings a skill set that I most assuredly do not have. To sing some praises, if I'm allowed to do of course, that. Of course. Paula up in Boston, Paula Ziegenbein. I've known her forever. She is brilliant. She is technically beyond astute. Her design sense is spot on. I just simply cannot say enough for her. She hit the ground running in Boston. We had no presence. We had no real name there and she built us into a name in Boston and I'm eternally grateful for that. Our newest team member, Catherine Leskowat, she is brand new to the firm and I am just so thrilled to have her on board. She has such a great way of presenting information and looking at projects from an overall bird's eye view and then detailed focus in that I just feel so very secure having her on a project down in on Long Island in New York. Kim Daly, wonderful, just steady, even knows her product is really good. She's so patient. Oh my God. At Just working through things with clients and making sure that they have what they need. And I don't really have to think about what she's doing or her projects because I know she's got them. Down here in D.C., Nora Ludden, who works with me, she's also very new to the team. Nora did not have a lighting background. She was actually in my one credit lighting class. And I like her poise. I liked her way of being and I thought that perhaps she might like to learn about lighting. And so she joined our team and really had no background in it, but has hit the ground running and is just sucking up every bit of information she can. Jessica Kramidis, also in DC, she adds theater and exhibit design, Things that we touch on in our designs, we add theater to our approaches. But she really knows her stuff, and I just again, I'm just so grateful to have her on the team because it's an additional sort of gap that she fills that I'm very grateful to have filled and, and filled in a very intelligent, insightful way. And then heading down south, Sarah Boyer came to us out of California, working in lighting design out there. No detail is too small for her. Not To pay attention to it. My favorite thing is Sarah when she first started with the firm we'd have manufacturers come to visit us and she would take notes and the notes would come to all of us in an email. I mean she just keeps everything grounded, has great design sense. Also we have Diane Rodriguez in our office. She's sort of my, my rock. She had her own firm years ago then worked for an engineering firm for about 10 years in Indianapolis and When she was ready, she basically sold everything, Mm -hmm. left Indianapolis and moved to Charlotte to join our team. And I, again, am grateful because she's a wonderful sounding board as well for me to talk about the things that go into having a firm. And sometimes she settles me down when I'm not so very settled. When you're excited. Over-caffeinated, I suppose. Absolutely. And then finally, Katie Moser down in Atlanta, Katie started up here with me in D.C., did a very short stint in Boston, and now she's happily ensconced in Atlanta, and she came to us via SCAD. She was in California, I believe, at the time, sketched some beautiful historic fixtures for me by hand, and I was sold, and she's been working hard and learning. She came to us out of interior design, and she rounds out our team in a lovely way, and I am very grateful. I think
0: it's awesome that you're so grateful for all of your employees. I mean, who isn't happy to have a good team surrounded by them? And they say, and I believe you said it, surrounding yourself with people that are good, that may even do things better than you is ultimately what leads to a successful company. But what's interesting to me is we're in design when we talk about lighting design and lighting designers, clients, architects, and everybody's in a studio or an office and they talk a lot of collaboration and everything else. None of your people are in one single studio. As a matter of fact, well, they're pretty much all in the same time zone, but they're in different states. If they're homes, I'm sure there's some flexibility that that provides for them. Did you decide to do that or did it come to you that way?
1: It just came person by person. We started out as remotely operating and we made it work. So I wasn't daunted by the idea of adding Paula in, and then it just kept going. I had known Paula forever. I had known Kim forever. You know, and the idea sort of struck me that Kim might be a lovely addition to our team as well, and I broached the subject with her. I knew that we were going to have to figure this all out and we have all figured it out together. I would say some tools have helped with that. I would say, unfortunately, the situation in 2020 has really taught us how to use tools that we had used maybe more sparingly like Zoom or, you know, whatever. We always talked by phone. All of us would get on phone calls. Occasionally we'd get on Zoom calls. But we always just found ways to share information, whether it was Google Documents or whatever it was. But now our morning call is a Zoom meeting. Our you know happy hour on Friday is a Zoom meeting where you collaborate on Slack. You're
0: really just name dropping tech here. I mean, they've got to love you for it. (laughs) Yeah, tech has solved a lot of problems. It
1: solved a lot of problems or provided a lot of opportunities because it's kind of nice You see everybody, you see their homes, you see their pets, you meet their family that you probably would have done if they worked all in one office. Yeah,
0: you've become your own
1: family. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, you don't spend eight hours a day every day talking with people and not care about them as who they are as people in their lives and understand that they are more than just the firm that they work for. It's been interesting to watch now that we're nine, it's funny on Zoom calls where it's kind of like the Brady bunch, you know, yeah. we have all of us. The things that I'm loving, that I'm seeing happening are collaboration without me, which is what I want because there's going to come a time where, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And a very wise man had said to me, and he'll recognize himself if he listens to this, but you can do the business or you can run the business. My job now is to run the business. I support the doing of the business. But the people that I have in place that do the business do it very, very well.
0: What I think is absolutely intriguing and fascinating and awesome, you've executed it to a T, this remote work concept, which today people push and pull on. Some people say, hey, I want remote work. Others say it's not possible. The current situation with the pandemic of COVID-19 has forced a lot of people to work from home to stay safe. You were ready for that. You prepared for the future, but did you know that you were preparing for the
1: future? No.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, if you were, I'd like your crystal ball, please.
1: Well, I I would like it too, because there's some stocks I'd like to find out about. No, I mean, again, the logic had been you hire the best people and let them be in the places that they are and you find every way you possibly can to support them. That was the plan.
0: You mentioned all those people and you go down the list, you look at people who can do business development, people who can think outside the box, people who come from different backgrounds like theater and interior design, motivated hard workers who are young and know nothing, right? I mean, you found people from all different walks of life and you found this extremely uniting thing that brought them all together. And some may say it's light, but I would say it's you. It's your ability to create a team and drive people to be inspired to communicate and push past what the norm is, which is to just come to an office and come to work every day. I think what's fascinating and interesting is you do have all these people from all these walks. What is it that you have been able to do to create a dynamic and a culture and a company that responds to something that's not normal, i.e. you all work separately and it's a different way of doing it.
1: I think if I had come at this with a lot of knowledge in business and finance, I might have approached this from a money standpoint. But because I didn't have that knowledge, I had to rest upon the things that I knew. And there were two things I knew, how to treat people with respect and how to do lighting design in that order. Mm-hmm. I think because I really didn't have a lot of business knowledge, I focused on what I thought would make the best team member. And the words that came to mind were fearlessness. You had to be fearless to be willing to work in a totally remote situation or distributed situation, as we like to call it. You had to be fearless to start your own company. But people who took the leap of faith with me. Absolutely. You know, a new company, a startup company, all of that. Had to be fearless as well. I mean, yeah, they had to trust that I would have their backs. I also looked for humility because when it's one or two of you, it's one thing. You still can't have a diva. A diva doesn't work no matter how many you are. But when it's five, six, seven, eight, nine, now a hundred, everybody's got to leave the bad part of the ego at the door. You have to have enough ego to so defend your designs, to feel strongly about things. To
0: speak up for what you believe in. To speak up for,
1: right, for what is important in the design and to make sure that the client is taken care of. But the other part of the ego could maybe take a rest. And I hope that that was maybe what helped send the firm in the direction that it went was that I really did focus on the who of heart ramp lighting design rather than the how much or the what. And you, that
0: kind of followed. You looked at the why. You looked at the who and not necessarily the what. The why was lighting design, yeah. was treating people with respect. And you surrounded yourself with with people that you felt would join you in that walk. And they've since been able to help you grow the company. They have since created opportunities and they've since created an environment, a culture, a company, and a group of amazing women that are rock stars. They that
1: are rock stars. Totally they are absolutely rock crushing stars. Rushing it
0: today and you are their fearless leader. And as you said today, you can either do the business or you can run the business and you're running the business today. How does it feel to be a woman in her early 40s?
1: (laughs) Running a business. You're a funny guy. The running the business part is fantastic and terrifying and everything in between. There isn't a single day that I don't wake up and just run through my mind, all the things that I worry about as well as all the wonderful things that we're doing. The woman part, we all have our experiences that we bring to the table as a human. As a woman, I obviously have had my share of things, of adversities, just like every other human does when they live Mm -hmm. and they influence who you become as a person. The women things that you have adversity-wise teach you how to be strong, I hope. Having managers that maybe weren't so very good managers, no matter what your gender, teaches you how to be a good manager, I hope. 34 years of this, of seeing the good and bad and the ugly of just being out in the world teaches you, hopefully, how to be better at it yourself.
0: When you're managing, when you're looking at a group of people, when you're looking at a team of rock stars who are all over the country, What's the best thing that you can do to give them the opportunity to learn? Do you guys have a retreat? Do you do anything as a group or a community that you can share with us?
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So throughout the year, typically in non-pandemic situations, I'm traveling like once or twice a week. I'm either in Charlotte or I'm in Boston or I'm wherever I need to be. If there was a train on the East Coast, they'd call it the Andrea Bullet. Yeah. back and forth all the time. Yeah, I don't know about that. But the nice thing is that means, you know, more than just being able to support team members, I get to have dinner with them. You know, I get to go play with them and be with them and meet their families or be with their families. And those are lovely things. Those are the things that make it worthwhile. We do a retreat every year. I'm not so sure about this year. I'm hopeful. Sure. But every year we have done something. This past year we went to Yosemite. Wow. And manufacturer did host us one day of that, but they did not pay our way. They didn't do any of that because... I never wanted it to be that kind of thing. And there's
0: nothing wrong with learning a little while you're out there,
1: right? Yeah. So we had the weekend to just be part of nature. We did an Ansel Adams photography class. That's you so know, cool. we the one thing that I do is we do a key draw. So wherever we stay, everybody just hands in the hat and picks the key. You never know who your roommate's going to be. And oh, that's each, cool. Each night, you never know. Do you
0: get a new roommate every night? Every
1: night. Wow. that's Whether fun. you want to or not.
0: What's so, the What's the luggage? Palsy for that. Like, I mean, I'd have like six bags with me and have to repack I everything. Mean, no, I, I, I can't move. I yeah, we
1: don't, we, don't, we don't travel that heavy. Oh,
0: okay, okay, okay. That's not uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, so it, it was really, really fun. We've had some really fun retreats and it's a nice opportunity. We do take time to talk about the company, talk about things that are working, things that need some improvement. And then it's really about just spending time together and all that that brings. And I think that's a lovely thing. And as far as growing, Within the company, you know, I think the things that are important when you have folks is not to make assumptions. Just because somebody's in their 20s doesn't mean they're not interested in management and marketing and all the things. If they're going to continue in lighting design, they have to be solid in their technical understanding of lighting. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be interested in the other side if they're interested. If they're not interested, then they shouldn't be forced to it. So I think listening is critical. It used to be listening came with the ability to see body language. Now, not so much. Now you really have to train your ear to listen for an inflection in the voice, for something that tells you something isn't quite right, or that there's something else, or that there's something being left unsaid. And those skills, they're maybe some of the most important skills I think that you can have. And it goes to your clients as well. I mean, you can just look in their faces and know if you've hit or not.
0: Do you feel like that's something that you've acquired over the last seven years of putting all that together? Or is this a lifelong
1: learning process for you? Absolutely. Lifelong learning. I think about this a lot now. Sometimes I'm a little bit surprised at the ease that some things come to me. Other things are will always be a struggle, but... <laughs> Plenty of learning ahead and behind, but there's certain things that over the course of your life, you get a comfort level with, and you develop sort of a gut for, and that if you're careful and you're paying attention, you can really learn to trust. Trust your gut. Trust your gut. It usually won't send you down a wrong path. And if it does, maybe it's an opportunity.
0: Well, your gut is who you are. And and if you trust your gut, you're ultimately going to chase probably who you are, what you like, what you want to do. And like you said, you may trip, you may fall, but you can get back up and you can keep going. Andrea, you've obviously built a company. You have seven years of experience behind you. You have many, many more to come. You have a team of rock stars. I'm sure you're going to continue to grow and everything else. If you could give any advice to anybody that is listening to this that may be curious about what it's like to step into the unknown and what it is to be fearless and how it feels knowing you've done so much, but You had no clue what you were getting into. Would you do it again?
1: In a heartbeat. Yeah, I was easily after marrying my husband and having my son, the best thing I ever did. Couldn't have predicted one way or the other at the time, but absolutely no regrets about doing it and the path that it's taken. That's awesome. And if I was to give any advice to anybody thinking about doing anything that scares them, take a deep breath trust your gut trust your gut and if it isn't an absolute yes then it's a no but if it is an absolute yes then jump with both feet
0: andrea you've jumped it's awesome to catch up with you it's so much fun to learn about your company your history your passion for lighting and i wish you all the best in the rest of 2020 thanks so much for having me onto your porch for the first porch podcast
1: my absolute pleasure this has been a blast
0: what's the best way people can get in touch with you if they want to talk more or have any questions
1: my website is a great place to start Design.com. that's a lot to spell so you can email me at andrea at a d h that's probably your best two ways to get a hold of me and i'm usually on the porch at night if it's a nice night so
0: awesome well, thanks again for catching up. Stay healthy, you stay too. happy, have fun, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. See you. Bye. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick, if you enjoyed this podcast, then do me a favor head back to the platform that you listen to and click like or subscribe. That's the best way to never miss an episode of the Light Pod where we interview people who are all things lighting, building technology, curious about the future, and honestly, just have fun stories to tell. Until then, see ya.